one minute he says, oh, yeah, we're going to invest in uh, Mildura and uh, Ballarat's full steam ahead. And I went, hold on, aren't you selling Mildura? And he goes, no, 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 mate, there have been some media stories about that. I don't know where they got that. And I went, well, mate, we wrote about it because... <laughs> Page three of your annual report. It's in your annual report. <laughs> With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are premium proud supporters of this, and this is Good Brews Week. G'day, listeners. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. It's Or, or should I say <laughs> brewer, Matt? Uh, no, no, no. Okay, so yes, you, you, you're a little... Most that would know you as, as Beer Matt, as your you know your alter ego, if you like, your, uh, your business name and, and that that you do... Uh, events and things under, but um, Brewer Matt. No, Do well, we it too? no. I, I, uh, for for the listeners, I've just literally just returned from, or at, actually just returned from watching uh, some brewers make a brew that I uh, can claim I had a hand in inspiring to some extent. Um, about oh, must have been about eight or nine months ago, Pete. I was chatting to Chuck Hanna, just you know, very wide ranging, you know, chat as as you as you do with Chuck, and as it often is with Chuck. It, it's he's been around that long. Um, and do you remember when we were in? Because um, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, GABF in I do. Denver, and we, I can't remember who we were who we were speaking to. Oh, I tell you who it was. It was the brewer who's now at. Um, Colorado's smallest brewery, but who had for 22 years been the brewmaster at New Belgium. Oh, yeah, And he yeah, said, yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. guys are from Australia. Oh, and he spoke about, you know, oh, I know a guy, you know, um, actually he used to brew here in Colorado, in Colorado. And it turns out, yeah, he was talking about Chuck Hahn. <laughs> so he, he, not only does he have, uh, uh, I guess, length in the game, but he also has breadth. Oh, absolutely, and you know, like Chuck is just one of those terrific guys. And I was, but I was having a chat with him, and you know, we were just talking about things generally. And, and the conversation drifted back to the early days of Han Brewing, you know, back in 1988 when he had been brewing for Stein Lager. Stein Lager. Yep. Yep. Um, and decided to come back. He'd sort of got some people together to fund, uh, you know his own brewery and he, he launched a beer and we were sort of talking about that and it turned out that the beer that he'd launched was a little bit tamer than what he'd planned and that it was called a premium lager. He'd wanted to call it a Pilsner. No one knew what a Pilsner was, so he called it a premium lager. And he just had to dial it back a little bit because it was too challenging for um, pallets back in the uh, late 80s. And I, I just found that astounding when you look at um, the the change in pallets and in some ways pallets have gone down even further um, when you look at you know great northerns and things that are sort of even you know significantly lower bitterness than the mainstream beers then but then pallets have also gone much higher and uh, you now we were talking about it and I said oh Chuck you know I'd love it if we could just if if you've still got the original recipe for the original Han I'd love to make a batch of it um, and you know, just taste it and then sort of see what people think, you know, compared to, to modern beers. And, you know, I, I thought that we might be able to get a home brewer that's got a, you know, 50 litre Braumeister. We just have knock out one home brewed batch, basically using his recipe, um, just to, to taste it. And uh, next thing, last week, he uh, gave me a call and so said, oh, look, Matt, um, we, we've got some time at the Charming Squire on Tuesday um, next week, um, you know, are, are you able to come along? And I'm sort of going, well, and, and I'm off to, to browse. So they brought it forward. And the, 
this is one of the things I love about Chuck is he is just so passionate um, and, and he, he loves an idea. And he also had, carries a, a lot of weight at Lion that he was able to essentially force his way. Um, and poor old Alan Tilden, who's a good friend of the, the show um, brewing up at Yumundi. Brewing at Yumundi, yep. Had and to, also a, uh, one, of the, one of my um, key stewards at the uh, Queensland Royal Food and Wine Show Beer Awards. Yeah, and, but p- poor guy had to find time on the tank in tank space at the Charming Squire. He's got a full schedule of beers there, and coming up to Christmas, the busiest time. Oh, he's and, flat knacker. Yeah, and, and so and he's, Chuck, got, he's got to squeeze you in. <laughs> well, he's got to squeeze Chuck in. Such and is the power of Chuck has to sort of shuttle himself around to suit my convenience, um, which was just came out of a chance discussion um, eight months ago. And Chuck loved the idea. So anyway, so we, we brewed a, a, a one-off batch of the original Han Premium Lager, and uh, we're going to release it in January. It's I think there's about 10 kegs. Um, there'll be a couple available through the Charming Squire. They're going to they're take a couple down to Sydney for Squires Landing. Um, but we're not sure exactly what we're going to do. But I, said, I recorded a conversation with Chuck that will go out as beer as a conversation this Tuesday, just talking a little bit about it. Um, but we are hoping that in mid to late January, depending on when this beer is ready, poor Alan Tilden, we're going to have a Radio Brews News Live from the Charming Squire with Chuck. Um, and we're actually hoping that we can... Uh, get someone like Bernie Power um, on the panel to talk because Power's launched around about the same time um, and you know maybe one or two other brewers uh, around the time to oh, cool. Talk. So does this, this sound like a, maybe a, a Radio Brews News Live yeah, 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 sort so, of opportunity? Yeah. Um, Very cool. Oh, mate, look, you know, Pete, you and I get to do some pretty cool stuff. Um, you know, we, we get invited to, to, to some things, but to, to just have a chat with – to have a chat with Chuck um, is always a privilege, but then to just have a bit of a chat and an off-the-cuff thing of saying, gee, I'd love to do this, and next thing it's happening, it's just, yeah, it's it's a little thrill. But anyway, that, that was all oh, I wanted if, if we could get Chuck to wear um, goggles, like uh, Biggles goggles and, uh, <laughs> and a white lab coat and just crazy up his hair a bit, and you could be Marty McFly, <laughs> Chuck, we're going to get back to 1987. No, see, Pete, this is what I need to. How bring cool you would this? Up. This is, but this is almost like stepping back. You know, before we were all in, before there was even such a thing as craft beer. Before it was even, it was boutique you know, beer, microbrewery beer. It was boutique, it was boutique yeah. beer, and um, the, the, just the opportunity for, I guess, for a lot of drinkers, particularly who got, who got their drinkers license in the last decade, who I guess it really puts into perspective just how lucky we are now with the uh, the, the wealth of choice that we have. In beer, but to, to go back to, you know, a, a simpler time, a gentler time um, and, and sort of see, yeah, this is this is the beer that didn't make it. This is the beer that we weren't thought worthy of. Yeah, it, it, well, and look, yeah, it, it, it's just incredibly cool. And, you know, Chuck is, as everyone will see with the chat that I um, have in the can for next week, it, it, it's very hard to have the sort of chat with Chuck that I did with um you know, even uh, Jamie Cook or even Doug Donnellan because Chuck goes from 1988 to 93 to 2001 to and, you know, all of these new beers that he's been involved in and you just sit back and go for the ride, you know. And, that, and that's since his time over in the States brewing for Coors. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure that we've done an I, – I, I know that I've got on tape somewhere, but it might have been for an article rather than for a – 
podcast about how Chuck came into brewing. And I think he was a chemical engineer who was doing some consulting. He lectured David Coors, I think it was, um, at Colorado State University, if I'm getting all these names right. Um, and David invited him to come and do some consulting and ended up you know, getting into brewing just through his uh, chemical engineering. So, uh, yeah. Um, so we, we might even try and record that chat. I'll go back through some of the archives. But anyway, mate, the, yeah. uh, so that's well, a long way of saying January, Brisbane listeners particularly, and even the Sydney listeners, if we can do it, um, uh, a matching episode down there. You know, Come and join us for, for a beer, well, a beer from the past. We, we don't know the date yet, but if you're going to be around Raise a glass to in the past. February, if you would like to yeah, it, just send us a, um, a, a an email expressing your interest, just so we can at least show uh, the Charming Squire that, that there is some interest in our Brisbane listeners coming along and listening to you know a bunch of old men reminisce about the... Uh, and, and, and I do have to say, in saying a bunch of old men, um, I, I did ask Chuck about uh, female brewers uh, from that day because I, I would love to get some reminiscences, um, you know, yeah, some uh, inclusive um, discussion going um, because there were female brewers, as uh, Doug Donnellan uh, mentioned last week on his chat, that um, Val Fisher, I think her name was, um, and I've, I'm trying to track her down, but when he was hesitating about whether he went and worked for the big house, um, said that she gave him a kick up the bum um, and told him to look around and look at the uh, you know the things that he would learn working for the big house. And uh, so I would love to have uh, her on in the um, panel because there are a lot of these names, you know, Chuck Hahn, um, Doug Donnellan. These are people whose names we know now. And I would like to talk to some of the founding uh, female brewers as well. So everything's up in the air. But in January sometime, we're going to be doing these chats. So Brisbane people definitely will be doing one in Brisbane. Um, if you want to maybe shoot an email to producer at brewersnews.com.au and just register your interest, that way we can sort of uh, you know, just confirm that there is interest in coming along to a live recording. And we'll see what we can do. Mm. Watch this space. Uh, speaking of this space, um, it's been fairly packed on it's... the uh, Australian Brews News website this week, Matt. Um, we finished recording... Huge... Week. Mid-afternoon, no, mid uh, late late morning last Thursday and then Friday, I said to you, uh, yeah, um, just got a couple of texts and a phone call. Do, do we need to record another one? <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a whole week's worth of news dropped Friday morning, uh, starting, of course, with the big news that uh, the Gabs uh, Festival and the Gabs Hottest 100, uh, most uh, popular beers list, uh, had been sold. Yeah, that that was just uh, Pete. It was already a pretty pretty busy week. Um, we we had a few things on the hop. Um, we were looking into keg thefts in Western Australia. We were looking into ABAC news. ABAC news data breach. Well, no, we can't call it a yep, data breach. The data breach. Oh, sorry, um, the data breach. It wasn't the data breach. It was a data breach. Um, doing a whole lot of stuff that we were trying to do and suddenly I get a phone call from Steve Jeffers going, mate, look, um, you know, you guys are very instrumental in, you know, the Hottest 100. So I uh, wanted to just sort of talk to you before the, the news was uh, announced and uh, we've sold. Thanks, Steve. Could you have done it on a quieter day? That was basically <laughs> the first thing I said. But yeah, no, mate, what, what a, had you had any inkling? You're much more involved in Gabs than I am, Pete. Had you had any inkling that it was... On the cards? Over the years, I've been privileged to have uh, not just an involvement with Gabs, but to um, Steve and I often, uh, totally unplanned, end up with an hour or two to, to chat 
uh, in um, in airport lounges. And we inevitably get around, you know, look, Prof, you know, you've, you've been involved from, and, and it's, I, I appreciate it. it's very hard for Steve because he's he's not just inside it, he is actually, you know, the Gabs Festival. So for him to be able to sort of step back and look at it holistically is, is actually a very difficult thing. So he really sort of, uh, I, I guess, appreciates the opinion and the feedback from from those who are in different areas, if you like, like foot soldiers down on the, on the front line. What can we do? Uh, you know, Melbourne uh, is obviously it's we could we could sell gabs out twice in Melbourne, but we don't have you know we don't have the capacity. Do we do a fourth day? Do we do it over? So we we often have chats about what can we do with this. I know you're not involved in this, but you know how do you think this works? I'm, I'm toying with this idea. How about if we try this? Steve is very much as everyone who knows Steve, an ideas man. Um, so I had absolutely zero inkling. The last I'd spoke to him was. Um, End of June uh, in um, Auckland, the lounge, gate lounge at, at, at Auckland. We're flying back on separate planes. No, no, same same plane. He was he was up the, the nicer end, and um, yeah, we, it, there was talks. Obviously, had been going on with Michael Bray for it would have been about three months since then. Uh, before before that. Uh, how serious they were, I don't know, because as Steve said to me when when he rang me to give me a heads up before the uh, media release came out, plenty of people have come along and said, here's a great big bag of money, we want to buy Gabs, um, and they've knocked it back. And what a lot of people, uh, the, the really salient thing for me, the, the, the key is that three or four Gabs in, literally going broke was a very real possibility. So without some investment from uh, people like The Age, from uh, Dan Murphy's, obviously, and from the the brewers as a whole, but getting some of those name sponsors for different areas, the little creatures, um, you know, live stage, that kind of thing, uh, obviously got it to the point where they could they could keep it going. But it wasn't, you know, a licence to print money. But um, obviously other people thought it could be. They didn't sell to a lot of the, the, the suitors who came knocking because they didn't feel that the, they were the right fit. But I... It's a constant source of frustration to me that some of the conversations that take place in this industry, and you know, people seem to think that there is money to be made in beer festivals, um, and there just isn't. You know, like um, it, it, it is very, very hard to make money in beer festivals. The risk that those guys took on in growing that festival so big um, was just astounding. As you said, they nearly went broke. They had a lot of uh, riding on it. The festival that we enjoy now wouldn't occur without some of the people that got, you know, some of the businesses that got involved, Little Creatures, Dan Murphy's, um, even the Yender um, wheel, you know, one of the yep. the, the breweries yep. that I just don't have a lot of, you know, in, interest in, but, you know, they, they have a big presence there. Um, and yet you hear a lot of, and a lot of the small independent brewers going, oh, look, Gabs is no longer relevant because it's got these big partners in. Um and it's it is the hardest balancing act to run something commercially as that is done, but also keep the integrity to the thing that made you want to build it in the first place. And um, you know, I've, I've had some really forthright chats with Stephen Guy, particularly in the early days, and that, that I'd sort of actually feel a little bit guilty of because I wasn't fully aware of, of, of what they were doing um, or, or of the challenges that they were facing. But, you know, they are just, they, they have a vision and they 
haven't compromised that vision whilst they have broadened the scope of the event to, to make it financially viable. And, you know, I, I give them all credit for that. You know, they are all about the the, the quality of the product. And, uh, you know, so I good luck to them and I wish them well. Yeah, not very much so. Do you think it'll have any impact on Hottest 100? No, I, I can't see how. The only difference I can see is that um, uh, stomping ground beers are now will now be eligible. Uh, so basically now, you know, all beers will be on the list, I guess. Um, but will it shut up the knockers? Because a lot, you know, like, I, I, you know, a lot of people haven't really acknowledged, you know, they, they, they've looked at the fact that a business... The value of the are, hottest 100. Yeah, they, but uh, yeah. there are people who have looked at the... That a brewery is running, that essentially a brewery, initially it was just a tap house when they started, but they went on to open a brewery, you know, is essentially running a poll that gives them information about the beer, the beer industry that some people would presume is a advantage to, to the brewery. Now they've sold it. Um, I, I don't think that some of the people have, those people have acknowledged that it's also counted against them because no matter how good stomping grounds beers were they were never able to be voted on yeah and i think too to that point matt uh I, i'm not quite sure i've never been able I've, I've heard plenty of people say that uh the stomping ground guys who obviously uh, you know run the the hottest 100 have some sort of competitive advantage by getting all this data but the reality is they get it 10 minutes before the rest of us get it anyway and if you can't tell that pale pale ales or uh, beer in cans is the next big thing, then you probably shouldn't be brewing anyway, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, um, like, like, yeah anyone that gets an advantage, um, other people are jealous. You know, or anyone who is perceived to have an advantage, whether that's an advantage or not, is um, jealously regarded in a highly competitive market. Yeah. This year's one, I think, it will be interesting because uh, I look, I assume, not speaking out of school, but the, the hottest 100 has pretty much been Steve's baby from the start, even when it was the local tap house hottest 100, uh, it then moved. Obviously, Gabs as a as a naming sponsor for it um, about three or four years in, as Gabs began to grow, because it was a great way too to promote the Gabs Festival as well as the the hottest 100 and, and generate more and more interest in it. Because um, it is a great snapshot of you know, how we're drinking contemporarily. Uh, but I think yeah, the the, the key thing is. It's pretty much been Steve, and then there's a, a third party, uh, like the the tech side of things, which has mm-hmm. um, administered it. Because in the early days, um, it was it, Justin Joyner, and he won't he won't mind me saying this because he's he's glad those days are behind him. He would he got he had to open individual emails, then decipher you know if it, whatever the beers were because sometimes they'd use. You know, <laughs> four, four wives pilsner, and 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 they might also include in their same list of five. Oh, that James Squire pilsner, you know, or yeah, yeah, Malt yeah, yeah. pilsner. Um, so he, but he literally had to open emails and then manually into a spreadsheet, you know, work out work out the numbers. It's now obviously there's algorithms and you know ready reckoners and slide rules that, you know, it all goes through and spits it out at the other end. But it's pretty much it's pretty much Steve's baby. With this third-party provider, I don't think any of that will change. Yeah. I certainly hope, and I can't see any reason to believe that things wouldn't stay the same. Pete, we've been involved in the Hottest 100 since it first um, 
Because, uh, God, I mean, if you go back... I started uh, writing on my beer blokes blog. I used to do um, sort of promo for it and then... For the hottest, yeah. The, and, then, and then do a bit of a wrap-up and, uh, you know, a pick it apart sort of thing. And then, obviously, we'd, with Bruce News, we came on as, as media partners um, to help promote it. And then, obviously, each year for the last six, I'm going to say, we've yep. done um, the live... The, the, the live because you I've hosted, hosted stuff at the four or five yeah Australia Day events um, up at the tap house announcing the the beers and doing giveaways and also all 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 manner of fun stuff uh, and then would cross live to to you wherever whichever brewery you happen to be at where, where we were doing like in last and this year was the first year that we were together but you know that I said I for 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 all of that and I've just watched the vision and drive that they've employed in. What was like? It, I think they had 160 votes in the first year, or 84 votes in the first 115, year. 115, I think it was. Oh. 115, and then the, the, the second year, um, it pretty much I, doubled, and then doubled again the first three yeah, years, and, and then it just went boom. And on one hand, you know, you, Steve was just so excited about this poll, and I'm going, mate, it's 300 votes. You know, like we'll, we'll write, sure, we'll write about it. You know, we'll sort of, um, but it's 300 votes. You know, and. The, the way that they have approached everything that they've done with the vision and the drive um, to see much bigger things than I thought was ever possible, which says a lot about Bruce News, um, I have to say, because um, <laughs> it's the same vision and drive that's driving Bruce News. Um, so the same lack of vision and drive. Um, but it, it's just astounding what they've created. And it, it I've just learned so much that I do apply to things like Bruce News just from having watched what they have done with gabs and the, the, the hottest 100 and you know like i, I yeah i just um, my first uh, text after speaking to steve was to craig just to say mate are we still on for the live broadcast for <laughs> hottest 100 and he said yep absolutely everything's gonna be the same so uh we're looking forward to broadcasting live from hemingways in cairns sweating our little uh, uh socks off yeah let's move on shall we the rest of the news so continuing last friday's news uh ballistic Ballistic Brewing, uh, up your way, Matt, in Brisbane, uh, to partner with Founders First. Yeah, hot on the heels of uh, Source Brewing announcing that they're speaking of uh, sweating your little socks off, um, that Source Brewing has partnered with Founders First to uh, go to Cairns. Um, Now, Ballistic, which has just opened its third venue in Brisbane, is uh, partnering with Founders First as well. And uh, look... Pete, I, I, I think read the story. All of the details are in the story about both of those. And I think the interesting backstory to this is I got this sense that there was some nervousness from both of these businesses that this would be seen as some form of sellout. Um, you know, that it's kind of like the, the sale of the brewery. And I don't know what it says about whether Founders First has been very good at communicating who they are and what they do. And we had uh, a great podcast with Founders First uh, in February this year when Sean Sherlock um, and Sean Sherlock's brewery is... Foghorn. Foghorn, thank you. And we, we had a long chat and I, I can tell you the number of breweries that contacted me asking for the Founders First contact details... Uh, was very surprising. It was one, it's one of our most trafficked uh, podcasts this year. Um, was speaking to founders first, and I'm not sure whether they've you know it, it's the fact that they've been out there communicating or people understand what these guys are doing. 
but absolutely no blowback. People seem to just be going, well, great. And, uh, you know, Founders First doesn't take a controlling stake. They, they take a small investment, but then they're putting, you know, they, they are going to provide sales and marketing now um, for, for those breweries. So, um, yeah, so congratulations to uh, David and all at Ballistic and also to Source. Yeah, Source, uh, yeah, there's just, uh, their funding is towards uh, a canning line, isn't it? No, well, Source is being, fu- well, so the I think it's allowing Source to open their cans, their cans. Oh, cans. Yeah, so no, it's not putting beer in cans, oh. it's beer in because the reason I asked that, Matt, was because they'll, the next thing you want, once you've got cans, obviously you'll want labels. And if you want labels, you could do no worse than just uh, contact Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging, who sponsor this podcast. You can call them on 1300 852 235 to discover a more seamless way to get your small batch canning labels done. Now, speaking of which, I got a uh, text last week. I threw out the challenge to uh, to the team and... Um, asked them whether they could put 800 words on, on, a, on a sleeve and uh, <laughs> thought nothing more of it. Um, but then on Friday morning uh, at 8.01am, so the podcast must have been up for about 30 seconds, uh, I got a text saying, Morning, mate. Putting 800 words on a sleeve would not be a problem. Sorry for the delay. My PR company will have a full media release to you later today. <laughs> so, Brewers. And actually, speaking of which, one of the uh, stories that's been floating around um, on social media since yesterday was a brewery in the US that has been putting adopter pets you know dogs that are available for adoption on their cans and if any australian brewer wanted to uh, do that i'm pretty sure rallings has the flexibility to get your small batch uh pre-loved animal needs done there you go you'd be barking mad not to at least give them a call um although pete if you put a dog looking for a home on a beer can or you are you appealing to some sort of altruistic? Evidently, be appealing to children. You know children. what's going to happen. You are going to you are going to run foul of um, of ABAC. <laughs> because the thing is, too, fitting eight hundred words doesn't it have? Isn't there a minimum font required? Like it has to be a certain legibility, or is that only for the things like the ABV? The... That's only that's only for certain. Okay, things. yeah. So the rest but... of it, you could you could make it whatever size you wanted. But you'd want to make sure that they were big words, so you weren't appealing to children. That's right. Because if, if, if the words are too simple. Um, anyway, that's, so. That's right. Yeah, so, so, yes. All way of uh, seamlessly integrating <laughs> the uh, story that the Indie Brewers Association is looking to join ABAC. A surge in complaints to ABAC about craft beer packaging has reignited discussion over the role of the watchdog. And the Independent Brewers Association has now announced it is moving towards becoming a signatory of the right code. Um, now, go read the article. I don't want to praise it, I don't want to put words into uh, Jamie Cook's mouth. Um, but, you know, obviously. There is an issue. The IBA wants to be um, educating brewers about the, the code, its importance and its value. And, uh, you know, after a period of education and, and awareness, they'll be looking at, you know, at the moment they can't join because they're an association, but I, I don't know how they're going to get around that. But there will be some moves towards the IBA joining and then take making the, its members, I presume de facto signatures by, by proxy yeah, yeah i would assume so i would assume that's how it would work that if you were a member of the iba you would then automatically become a signatory to the abac code yeah and look there have been and i don't know so read the article because claire's um got the quotes from 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 jamie cook but the interesting thing about this was some brewers um you know then you know they, they switch their eye from abac which they see as being an enabler of the nanny state somehow 
to the IBA now being a bunch of sellouts who are, you know, working against the interests of small brewers. Um, and, you know, as uh, Luke Robertson from Ale of the Time uh, sort of commented on, on one of the discussions, the one of the people who was saying that was a brewer who happens to have a can that looks very much like a can of orange soft drink. Um, and, uh, you know, so it has, has some vested interest in it. Um, and it, it, I don't know if we can link to, to that discussion, but there was I just have had a bit of a, a back and forth with with them because I, I'm always trying to understand the minds, you know, the the the, the arguments on on both sides. I, Pete, we, we talk about ABAC a lot, and you know, I'm always back and forth um, between different things. Last week we talked about should ABAC be looking at things like the flavour um, and the you know sort of some of the other brand attributes. Really awesome comment on last week's podcast from James Omond talking about that they don't and why they don't um, and you know again James as a as a lawyer who is often tasked with handling ABAC complaints um, is very well versed in this stuff so uh, you know please go and read his comments and thank you to James for in taking up that offer to to weigh in um, and so ABAC isn't going to look at some of those elements they are limited in in, in what they look at um, and you know so that was just one of the discussions we had but this week I've been sort of looking at well you know do we accept um, as a brewing industry that beer is a special class of product that you know th- there are certain obligations around brewers you know as part of the social license to operate um, and it was interesting that this this one brewery that uh, I sort of had a bit of a um, discussion with um, in the Facebook comments um, basically said that their beer looks like a can of soft drink because it's a it's a it's a it's a playful um, nod to the soft drink that their adult customers grew up with. Um, you know, it's to, to be a little bit of an irrelevant, uh, sorry, a reverent, um, an homage, at, an homage, and you know, and, and an edgy, irreverent uh, look. Look at that. Which, and as as I said to them, well, to, to my way of thinking. If if you're if you're packaging something so it appeals to the inner child in us because they grew up drinking that soft drink that was targeted at children, then I don't know where your argument is that we should be allowed to do this. Assuming you assume that, assuming you agree with the proposition that beer shouldn't be marketed in a way that is appealing to children, um, you know that there is a difference between. Targeting children, which no one is saying that you're doing, but the ABAC code says it, 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 you must not market beer in a way that could appeal or has evident appeal to children, um, which just essentially means that as a collateral, as a side, as a, even as an accidental um, you know, appeal, it can appeal to children. You just can't do that with beer under the ABAC code. And so if you're directly targeting something that appeals to children, even though you don't want to sell it to children, I, I, I just don't understand where the issue is. It's, it's, it whatever, that, it seems to me fairly clear that you shouldn't be doing it for whatever reason. Yep, yep, no, 100%. Something else, Matt, that um, could be argued that doesn't appeal to children uh, would be brew shares. A, a 10-year-old with his pocket money probably wouldn't be tempted to pay a dollar, uh, sorry, 1.6 cents per share. As uh, we learned this week on Australian Brews News, the founder and major shareholder of Australian beer company Brew Limited has sold off a 5% stake in the Battling Group at a bargain basement price of 1.6 cents per share. 
uh, 12 months ago, he sold, what was it, uh, 20 cents. Um, he, he sold $2 million worth of shares at 20 cents to, inverted commas, a sophisticated investor. This time he sold 10 million shares um, at the bargain price uh, of 1.6 cents, inverted commas, to a sophisticated investor. I'm wondering how the first sophisticated investor feels about the second. Um, You're assuming they're two different people, Matt. Uh, well, who knows? He, he won't tell us. Um, and I'm actually surprised that the um, person, if they've bought a 5% stake, they don't have to file that they are now a... Because Kent had to file a document saying change of... Um, Shareholdings. Uh, or, change, or change of substantial shareholder notice because he'd sold down. Um, and it's just all part of the transparency. And, you know, whenever you see one of the um, investment bodies that sells gauge road shares or buys gauge road shares, they have to file. Um, so I'm wondering whether the percentage of shares that was sold on this occasion was just few enough that the sophisticated investor didn't have to file a notice of becoming substantial. Um, I don't know. Let's Maybe one of our uh, more stock exchange familiar. Um, yeah, I, I thought the most interesting thing about that, Matt, was um, the last bit of the piece. Um, Kent Grogan told Australian Brews News the embattled brewer wasn't looking to sell its Mildura brewery. Uh, where did we get that information from, Matt? Well, if that's incorrect, wasn't it in their annual report? <laughs> Mate, look, I, I contacted Kent the next day because I saw that he'd spoken to the AFR. I thought, you know, um, Claire had been trying to get in touch with him. Maybe she's too scary. Um, so I got in touch with Kent finally, um, and you know we had a bit of a chat. And one minute he says, "Oh yeah, we're going to invest in uh, Mildura and uh, Ballarat's full steam ahead." And I went, "Hold on, aren't you selling Mildura?" And he goes, "No, no, no, mate. There've been some media stories about that. I don't know where they got that." And I went, "Well, mate, we wrote about it because page three of your annual report. It's in your annual report." <laughs> And he goes, oh, no, we just have to put that in the annual report to be transparent. We've, we've never planned to sell. And I go, well, hold on. Hold on. If it's in the annual report, uh, isn't that what saying you're going to do something is being transparent, saying the opposite of what you're actually intending to do? That's not. Anyway, so uh, it, it was a through the looking glass uh, conversation where, despite the fact that he's uh, getting almost 400,000, the. Um, the, the the financial returns that show that he's been approved for almost four hundred thousand dollars in salary, and it's being recorded on the books, showing that they've only got fifty five thousand dollars left in the bank. He swears that he hasn't been paid for twelve months. Um, he the Sorrento brew house that they lease and they had for sale is no longer for sale. Mildura is not for sale. They're going to expand on it. Twelve months, and he ended up. Look, I asked him a question because it was just. The most, I don't have a high degree of patience for when I feel it, I'm being lied to. So the conversation was, but Kent, 12 months ago, you told me you had this Western Australian, um, you know, when, you're, when you lost $3 million, you told me everything's going to be good because you've got this Western Australian distribution deal. How did that go? Oh, mate, we didn't go ahead with that because we didn't want to be shipping the beer over. It wouldn't be fresh. They couldn't get it out. And I went, well, hold on. Okay, well, six months ago, you told us that you've got this $2 million thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we need to um, turn Mildura into a craft brewery because we can't supply the big guys. I went, hold on. Two it years ago, you were a craft brewery. And secondly, two, two, yeah. when, did, when did China suddenly end up being closer to, to <laughs> well, Mildura? 
than but the beer's made it, but the, the beer's made in China. Oh, so the beer's right. not okay. made here, and so Mildura is nowhere near. Yep. But suddenly they can't make enough beer in Mildura to supply the big guys, um, and it, it was just bizarre. And suddenly, uh, and he goes, "Look, I don't know why you're getting so upset." And the phone went dead, um, and I. I waited a couple of minutes and texted. I just, I can't. I, I think we got cut off. And I, I, yeah, I got a text back so saying, "Oh, I'm just going through a bad area. We'll talk later." <laughs> so, anyway, I, I recorded the conversation. There was a whole lot more. I, I, I wish that I could have, um, I, I could put it as a podcast, but I got permission to record it as a journalist rather note taking. But I didn't get permission to broadcast it. So, um, yeah, anyway. He has he has undertaken to come on a podcast. Could you could you so. and I do it as like a radio play? Hey, have we got permission for that? <laughs> well, that might okay. be editorialising. You be, you be you be you, and then I'll be you being you, and you talk to <laughs> me, and I'll be Kent. I don't know what's funnier the the concept of that or the concept now that I've got in my head of scary Clary, Clark and Door. Um, it, it was very Clark and Door. Anyway, so but yeah, so brew. Um, yeah, my the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Speaking of a gift that I'm sure is going to keep on giving, well, it, it, at the moment it's a gift that keeps on taking, but then also inadvertently giving. And we're talking about the New South Wales Container Deposit Scheme. Oh, um, okay. Good. Yep. So, yeah. So, last week we got an email from a brewer um, who had received an email. Um, so, Exchange for Change is the Container Deposit Scheme in New South Wales. Exchange for Change is a business that is operated by Asahi, Coca-Cola, um, Coopers, CUB, and Lion. Um, and they essentially manage the collection scheme. Um, a lot of brewers, a lot of craft brewers were very unhappy that their competitors were going to have access to their volumes and things like that. There was all of these promises made. Look, your data is in a vault. There are Chinese walls. Nobody's going to see nothing. Um, and then a brewer contacted us last week, so saying, "Look, I'm, you know, I've, I've got this email from um, Contain for Exchange for Change. It includes 16 other breweries' um, invoices." Um, and then a couple of minutes later, or sorry, some time later, he got an email saying, uh, "We believe that you were sent an email with attachments in error. We apologise for the inconvenience. Um, please be assured that there wasn't a data breach. Um, it was a patching of our system." And he just said, "Look, I don't know what's going on." Um, we've they they haven't told us how it happened. We're really concerned. You know, other people have got our data. We've got their data. You could work out, you know, based on it's about fifteen cents a can. That if the invoice says this, you can work out roughly how many cans we've been invoiced for, and all of that sort of thing. We contacted the New South Wales Container Deposit Scheme. Didn't get a response. Um, by the time we we published, Claire wrote a story. Um, it had been told to us that there was a data breach. Um, Claire wrote a story yesterday. We got an email from the Container Exchange um, scheme saying it was not a data breach. A data breach is defined under the Privacy Act that it is personal data that is highly sensitive, that, that is sensitive and can cause significant damage to an individual. And we ask that you retract your comments. And, you know, to us, it was a data breach. They'd sent out. So in the end, we contacted well, the, them. The, the information that was sent out contained company names, invoice dates, yep. invoice numbers, and outstanding amounts. And outstanding amounts. What, I understand what, under what, the Privacy private... Act, well, it's not personal information. It didn't identify a person is the best I can understand. But, oh, okay. You know, so a brewery I... that might have 100 persons you know, with a vested interest in it is now 
Well, and, and they just did not, they completely refused to discuss, you know, the, the, actually the thing for me, Prof, is that about 16 brewers received the data. They said that it was uh, during a patching of their systems, there was a patch, but it just seems like a really, really specific error for something that was a systemic um, patch issue. You know, like if, 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 if your computer is... Um, being patched, you could expect it to send a thing out to all of the brewers on the database, not yeah. just 16. Yeah. And, and th- there was just something about it that was really, really, that just didn't ring true. So, you know, I know a lot of our um, listeners are IT people. Tell us if, 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 if you think that that sounds like something that would happen during a patching issue. To me, it sounds like operator error and somebody's inadvertently attached a whole lot of invoices to emails and then suddenly going, oh shit. Um, but again, I, that, that's speculation because to me, it just doesn't sound like um, something that would happen as a systemic patching issue. Yeah. But I could yeah. be wrong. But anyway, the, the, the upshot is the response that we got from the New, New South Wales Container Deposit Scheme was essentially, this isn't a, a data breach because it's not personal data. Um, and even in the email that they sent to the brewers who received the email, basically said, look, we're sorry we sent you this email. It wasn't, we're sorry that we sent your data to anybody else, or don't worry, none of the data, you know, we've got the data back. Um, and so they wanted to debate with Brewers News, who had called it a data breach, what the legal definition of a data breach is. But then they started, and I had to point out that, well, you've told us you've rectified the matter. Rectify is to make good or restore. You haven't done that. You haven't even apologized for it. You've apologized that you accidentally sent an email to people, not that you released that data. Um, so they're pretty loose when it comes to defending their their, their problem, but you know, pretty uh, precise when they want to protect their asses from saying it wasn't a data breach. So we didn't have to... They, they didn't inform... and Because all of that centers around whether they had to um, inform the... Uh, Office of the Information Commissioner, or the yeah the the, the they they had to report a breach. Um, they're saying technically we didn't have to inform anybody because it wasn't a data breach under the Privacy Act. But even so, um, one of the brewers that we spoke to hadn't even been contacted to say that we've accidentally sent your invoice for a significant sum to another brewer. So it, it look it, it just smacks of self defending. Yeah, there's possibly a very simple reason for the the initial breach whichever or whatever you want to call it but yeah as we so often see matt it's the the response uh often exacerbates the problem rather than fixes they it. have battened down the hatches and this is an this is a body that small brewers were distrustful of giving their data to anyway um and this just does not smack of data security um in any way or that any small brewers should feel that their data isn't being seen. And it, I mean, I, I, I don't I, I don't know what the downfall or the damage would be if the big brewers did get, you know, I'd give them some volume information about how many cans that they're doing or how many bottles they're doing and that sort of thing, um, which I guess nobody really wants to volunteer. But even so, um, it, it, it just, yeah. Um, Goes against it, the, the, the original promise. Yeah. And, and it certainly doesn't show a lot of um, trust and good faith on behalf of the uh, body managing no, it. exactly. And speaking of trust, Matt, I trust that the low-life flogs who have been stealing kegs from Western Australian breweries um, get a visit from Mr Plod in the not-too-distant future. Breaking news?
Yeah, apparently um, a suspect has, you know, suspects have been identified um, and uh, arrests are imminent. So, so for those who missed the story, Matt, keg thefts at WA breweries, most recently at Perth's Blaster Brewery, have prompted an initiative by the state's uh, brewers organisation, WABA, to tackle the issue. The problem has been on WABA's radar for several months and the organisation announced a stolen keg policy in its 2019 AGM strategy. Um, planned measures include liaising with WA police as well as online selling platforms such as Gumtree and launching a social media campaign to raise awareness of the impact that keg theft can have, especially on smaller brewers like Blaster. Um, so three weeks ago, more than 70 empty kegs were stolen from Blaster in a, in um, uh, in Perth over a period of four days by suspects in Utes. Are they, are they the... Uh, Blaggards to which you have referred? Uh, I believe Possible so. so they, 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 they did have photos, but one brewer I was speaking to had just ordered something like $30,000 worth of kegs because he was just at a stock take and thought, you know, based on the number of kegs I've got, I've just sent out and the number I've got here, um, I'm not going to have enough for Christmas. And it hadn't actually occurred to him that they may have been some purloined. Trickage. So, yeah, so like you're talking about serious cash for a small brewery to you know to to give them the kegs to um and i i I guess kegs are always going to go one or two here or there but when you see somebody turning up in a very organized fashion and stealing 70 kegs um in in a go yeah at at 200 dollars a throw um you know that's some serious problems and that's the one incident that we know about. But it turns out that there was a... And, and here's what makes me uh, really quite upset is that there was a scrap metal dealer um, who basically said, yeah, yeah, I've been buying them. Um, I used to work for this bloke and he used to buy them, so I sort of up the price. Um, and, you know, so I started getting the kegs to me. Um, and there is no market without guys like him. And, you know, there is no market for these stolen kegs if people don't buy them. Um, so yep. congratulations to Wobba um, for setting up this thing that if you are aware of kegs being sold, notify Wobba and they will action it. Um, just because, you know, we, we, we can talk all that we want about taps and excise and things like that. But when you've got guys that are just, you, when people are just stealing $200 a throw from craft breweries, you know, they're not going to be around for a long time. No, no, Exactly. Well, that's a wrap-up of the news for this week, Matt. And now it's time to dive deep, elbow deep, in fact, into the mailbag. Uh, Don't forget to review us on iTunes or you can send us an email and you'll be in the draw um, for the letter of the week. Every letter, uh, comment and query and everything else that gets sent into us will receive a bar blade, as long as we've got a a postal address for you. And one lucky uh, listener who has written in or said something, um, even, you know, vaguely interesting by our judgment, will uh, receive a six-pack of mixed beer from uh, our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our Letter of the Week. From Scott Eddy on email. Thanks for a great pod- podcast. Thought I would let you know my experience with the CDS here in Muzzle- Muzzlebrook. Now, that's New South Wales, is it? Is Muzzlebrook that- is, uh, yes, in New South Wales. Um, tried to return a can of Hope Estate Lager, but the can was rejected and there is no option to recycle the can anyway. The, I don't know what he means by that. Um the bins of general waste are overflowing a lot of the time. So, and he sent a photo. Of I think what he's saying is that if it doesn't go through the machine, you're, you, uh, you've then got to take that can back with you because there's no, oh, here, put it in the recycling bin. Ah, uh, right. Okay. There's just this like a, a, a standard simple. rubbish bin next to next to the container. Right. Okay. Thing. And the bins of general waste are overflowing a lot of the time. Right. 
Um, this may be a cynical opinion, but I feel as though the scheme is set up to make money through people not returning cans and bottles and has little to do with uh, cleaning up parks. Would love to hear some figures on return rates and where the money from cans that are not returned goes. Thanks, Scott. Now, this is something that we do want to dig into a little bit. And the end of the article that we did yesterday looking at the um, exchange for change, it's not a data breach. They also said, so I think they've put the price of, and we need a brewer to really go into this, but apparently they the, the price of that brewers are charged fluctuates and it's gone over Christmas, our summer special they're calling it, or their summer <laughs> pricing, which sounds like it, we're doing you a favour. It's a fantastic summer special. Um, it's gone from 15 cents to 16 point something cents because there is greater recycling demand over that period. Now, Pete, I don't know, look, 10 cents goes back to the person who takes their can back. Now, I, I go through a lot of cans of beer with all of the, the beers I'm sent, and I have not taken a can back. So every 10 cent that has been paid by a brewer on every can has gone has just gone to the recycling stream. And CDS just makes that as pure profit. Then they also get the five or six cents based on the margin that they say they need to operate it. Yeah, now, so we're going to return the change. 10 cents that you paid, but we're going to charge you 16 and a half cents. Well, no, so we're going to keep the 10 cents because the can wasn't returned, and we're still going to charge you 6 cents for the administration of, of the fee. Now, when I look at this um, comment from uh, Scott, brewers have just been slugged up front, I might add, um, before they've even made the beer or got the beer in cans, let alone been paid for the beer. They're paying... Because um, you've got to register it. You've got to register, I'm going to put in uh, Chuck Hahn's all-new Pilsner. Yep. And then brew the beer and then package it. Because I can't, yeah, I can't. But they invoice them up front based on some metric, some magical metric of what they think that you're going to do over the next month. And so they've had to pay it. But that is meant to cover the administration of the scheme that includes things like this. And they don't even have a recycling bin. So... You know, look, I, I, this thing, I, I never really looked much into it until this week. And having seen the mindset of Exchange for Change, just dealing with this uncontrolled uh, release of unauthorised sensitive information, I, I, I just, I, if I was a brewer, my Brackets, head would be exploded. Not personal information. Yeah, not personal information. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so thank, thank you to Scott for uh, taking the photo and sending that in for us. Yep, good on you. Uh, and from James Omond on our Facebook group, you alluded to this before, Matt. In response to Matt's query about whether ABAC takes into account all of the five Ps, I've left a comment on this on the Bruce News website, a bit long to repeat here, but basically they only consider placement and promotion and expressly reject the rest as being relevant to the code. Yep, and uh, look, again, go read that. And again, because I, like I was just saying, you look at the little fat lamb, that everything about that beer the, the, the labels pass muster, more or less, um, for ABAC, but everything about that beer is targeting 18-year-olds that want to get shit-faced. Um, and if you want any proof of that, go have a look at the Little Fat Lamb um, appreciation pages on Facebook. ABAC can't consider any of that. ABAC can't consider the fact that it is sweet, fizzy goon sold in 1.8-litre containers priced to get 18-year-olds. Eight standard drinks at a dollar a standard drink. Yep. And, and, and again... Um, That's hobo fuel. And, and, and this also feeds into Dean Smith, who's our next comment. I'm always bemused when people argue FAIR is some sort of position to direct government policy. FAIR will never have the kind of hold over the government to rival the various lobby groups of the multi-million dollar alcohol industry. It does, however, seem that the majority of upheld complaints to ABAC disproportionately impact on smaller independent breweries. 
I hope that as stakeholders, the IBA will have some input into the code and what constitutes common sense and reasonable community standards. Jumping to FAIR's tune has not always reflected well on ABAC. It would be great if they appeared to extend as much energy uh, policing instances of sexism as they do to confected appeal to minors in beer lab. Now, look, there is a lot of that. And I also have to acknowledge that Dean weighed into the chat that I was alluding to earlier, and I haven't had a chat to respond to Dean since then. But... The issue is that I, I look. I, I think Dean underestimates how much impact Fair has. They are an incredibly well resourced lobby group that has sanctimoniousness and the um, perception of impartiality and um, being do gooders on their side, um, and that means that they are listened to and given a soft hand, an unquestioning hand by the media, whereas alcohol is always seen the prism of you've got something to protect. Um, and so I would actually disagree um, with Dean that FAIR doesn't have, they don't have the lobbying, but they are far more influential than their budgets um, uh, allow. Um, because, you know, just look at the alcohol fuel violence legislation that Queensland's, they're actually calling it alcohol fuel violence legislation because people like FAIR um, and, you know, plus a whole lot of people who are you know, much better intentioned, um, want to stamp out alcohol fuel violence. That's a, that's what they're tapping into. So they certainly do have um, a disproportionate. The other thing is ABAC, um, taking on James's point, ABAC isn't an arm of government. ABAC can't look at the fact that consumption rates are declining. It can't look at all of these broader social policy. It has to, um, and it does, confine itself to the very limited charter that it's got. And to some extent, that is disconnected from what's going on because they have to look at the labelling. They've got a policy around labelling that they have to look at and they have to apply individual examples to that policy. And they can't, under that, you know, sort of take in subjective things and things that aren't part of, that are part of broader government policy. So look, it is always going to be an easy target for complaints. Um, ABAC can't look at sexism because they're not the, you know, appropriateness. Um, they are the alcohol... Uh, alcoholic beverages advertising code um, and you know yeah and anyway so I, I, I take your point but I, I would just say to anybody that wants to get a better understanding of ABAC go back and listen to our chat um, with the chair because uh, you know he, he does put a lot of context around because these were a lot of issues that I tried to thrash out and I was just met by that's not our role um, that's not something that we can consider, you know, um, mm. and, and it does put into a bit of context. Yeah. There was another comment from Glenn Watkins, who lists himself as aspiring brewer. Okay, yep. Glenn just made a small one-off donation, um, as, as we often ask for, um, and uh, I, I pretty much spent the small one-off donation on posting him a bar blade to say thank you for his small one-off <laughs> donation. Um, but so Glenn, uh, and I just have said, sent him a note sort of saying, look, thanks very much for your vote of confidence. And, you know, sort of, uh, we love the fact that you listen and, uh, you know, thank you for, for you know, the, the, the small donation. Um, and uh, he just have said, happy to help. You guys are a great way to keep up with what is happening in the Australian beer news and your opinions are always well thought out. That's nice that you think so because a lot of people don't. Um, <laughs> I enjoy hearing the differing opinions between you and Pete and how you always manage to debate without arguing. Um, they should have heard us in a particular bar in, um, where was it? It was uh, Denver, I think, Pete. Could have been. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I hope, yeah, and he says, I hope So, he, I hope so when, is it, when is a ball a foul in baseball, Pete? 
I hope you can make it to the Frio Beer Fest sometime. <laughs> Keep up the good work. That's from Glenn Watkins, the aspiring, Thank you, Glenn. An aspiring yeah. brewer. So, sorry, then we have the iTunes reviews. Podcastreviews.com said, suddenly I'm a beer industry expert. I didn't realize how much I cared about the industry until I started listening. Amazing podcast. Thanks for that. That's very nice to hear. That is nice, yeah. The Pickled Eggplant. Great listen. A great show. A delight to listen to as it's both informative and entertaining. The use of puns only elevates its listenability. (laughs) Which I think, uh, because our next one's from Ed Nolly. Love the show, informative and entertaining content, even funny sometimes. He's given it three beers. Because um, didn't Ed mention the uh, word plays and puns the week before, I think? Uh, he, he did at or, some point, in, yeah. in a previous episode. Yeah. And finally, from Cold Fusion, best beer podcast out there. As an aspiring pro brewer, it's a fantastic way to get an intelligent and non-biased view and understanding of the industry and the people who make us great beer. And I think, look, between speaking for Matt, I think – that's one of the things that pleases me most about it is that because we're an industry-based, um, pod, rather rather than necessarily just trying to be a consumer or a beer review or you know beer venue related uh, sort of podcast, because we we cover not just independent, not just craft, but you know beer as a as a whole. Um, I think that part of our value, and it's nice that that's validated, is the fact that aspiring brewers. Um, yeah, maybe sometimes we put them off, but sometimes I guess we give them the tools and the um, the connections, the networking through people like Rellings Labels and Stickers, through Beer Cartel, Unleash Software, Crymalt, etc., to um, uh, help them on their way. And so for that, I, I, I feel very validated. Yeah, and look, the, the, the one thing I'll say about Cold Fusion's comment, the, the last one there is um, the non-biased view. Uh, look, I, I, I can't claim that we're not biased because we have opinions and we give opinions. And, and anytime there's an opinion, there's going to be some bias. Um, I, I guess the thing that I will say that we do promise our listeners is that we do try and check our bias um, and we're always open to admitting we're wrong. You know, we've, we've changed views on a whole lot of things and we try and give the background and the reason that we hold a view Um Look, I, I mean, I, I can say by and large, Pete, that we're pretty much not beholden to anybody. Um, the responses that we take on are people that we're happy to to um, spruik. Um, but actually, just last week, well, I, I, I took I had, that, just on that, Matt, I, I took that um, part of Cold Fusion's comment to to sort of again pat ourselves on the back a little bit. You're more than welcome. If you want to be a supporter of the the thing, if you want to actually financially support us as well, that's great. But don't think that that's going to give you a free pass or free advertising or that we're going to let it slide, you know, if you do something untoward. We'll we'll, Uh, we'll report on it in the same way as we would on anyone else. Someone described me earlier in the year as, you know, you're a little bit like the Democrats. You keep the bastards honest. And um, because it was funny, and I don't want to, we're, we're sort of up against time, but last week, somebody on Twitter called us out. We'd written a story about pirate life, um, you know, falling foul of the ABAC code and with the beer can coming out of the water. And, oh, yeah, you know, yep, I, yep. I, I can understand that there are a whole range of views about that um, sort of uh, ad and whether ABAC should have got involved or not. Um, but so I'm, I'm not going to debate that. But we had shared the story and that was the head um, photo, you know, the, the photo that accompanied the story. And it was mentioned on Twitter that, you know, should you have blurred out that logo, 
given that ABAC had deemed it was inappropriate. And I thought that they were making the, the not unreasonable point that, well, aren't you magnifying something that's been held to inappropriately promote beer um, by not blanking it out? And, you know, and, and that's always, as a journalist, you know, when you sort of talk about how somebody has died or, you know, um, you know how much information do you give yep. um, in, in a story? But I thought, well, the photo is reproduced in the ABAC code. It's, you know... It, it, it's available, so it's appropriate to run it with the story. Um, and so I replied, sort of going, look, we always take these things very seriously. And it, it turned out that he was having a go because there was a CUB um, ad on Brews News website. And he thought that we were giving them some free advertising and was having a go at me saying oh, that we're basic. okay. And, and I'm just sort of going, Are you, so we, we've written a story in which we've embarrassed them because they're Mark, and, and the, the big brewers take this very seriously. They take going up in front of ABAC, you know, as an embarrassment. So the fact that Pirate Life's got their brand on it isn't a positive. They don't think that any news is good news. They yeah. would actually be, um, you know, and, and, and then he also held up a story that, I'd written earlier in the year um, talking about you remember when they did the 50 years of VB and I sort of said hold on you know hold on guys that ad is actually much older because it ran for three years um, before that as Brisbane uh, as um, Belinda Goldtop Belinda Goldtop yeah and I basically wrote a story how they didn't even know their own advertising he held that up as an example of a puff piece um, you know, we're not essentially embarrassed CUB but because we'd written about their brand he'd uh, was holding that up as a puff piece that we'd somehow doing CB a favour. You know, every small brewery that's been embarrassed, you know, that doesn't, you know, like us because we've uh, written about their ABAC, um, you know, brushes, um, you know, look, we're, we're impartial, not necessarily unbiased, if that makes sense. I knew what you meant, Matt. Thank you, and, Pete. Uh, <laughs> hey, now, Pete, this time next week, now, um, <laughs> this time next week, I'm going to be either just going to bed or just waking up in Germany, depending on when we record this, so. Good Morgen or good Abend. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. There will be an episode next week, but we're not we're not sure when. And Tuesday, Tuesday, the Beer is a Conversation with Chuck Hahn will pop into your inbox. Inbox. Uh, as gently as, as we magic. can possibly insert it. Thanks to, thanks to Joe. And... Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, now. I'm catching up with uh, Adam Tripp Smith in Germany. Um, it turns out he's going to be at Brow as well. So keen to find out a little bit more. We didn't really touch on um, Convoy, um, which was also breaking news last week. That was the third on, story. Uh, yes, that was the. It kind yeah. of just got a little bit lost in the in the wash, didn't it? Yeah, but again, interesting. So keen to find out, you know, how the man that started uh, Kegstar um, thinks that he can improve that. And Vale Brewing um, before that. And, well, and, Which then and became, so, yes. went on to become McLaren Vale Brewing. So we'll uh, have a chat to him because it's it, he's, he's one of the more prolific beerpreneurs that we uh, called in the headlines. So, yes, yeah, so I'll be speaking to him and uh, speaking to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's a gathering of the world beer industry. So uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm going over with nothing really set up, but uh, looking forward to seeing what comes um, from, from, from Braille. No worries. Enjoy it. Uh, safe travels. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 all speak to you next week, and then uh, I'll see you shortly after that. Looking forward to it, Pete. No worries at all. Thank you very much again to um, to all our supporters and our sponsors, to Cryolt, to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel and Unleash Software. Uh, and thanks to all of you guys for listening, as we always like to do. Listen and thank you. That is. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Pete. Uh, I'm Pete Mitchum. 
and uh, we'll see you all again for the next episode of Good Brews Week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 